0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, I went to an event yesterday. I went uh, to see Van Halen in downtown, uh, downtown Los Angeles. Well, actually, on Hollywood Boulevard. And I took the subway because it's so much easier. You know, I live in Burbank, so I drive... 12 minutes to the subway station. It's five minutes to get off. So I'm all excited. I'm meeting a friend. I haven't seen her forever. And I'm on the subway. And now, given that it was packed and there's, a, there's a, a random weirdos on the subway. There's always like some weird dishwasher guy staring at all the girls. And and I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, we get on the North Hollywood station. And then the progress is it goes to Universal and then it goes to Hollywood and Highland. Well, they sit there and they make me, they get off. There's some police activity. So we all have to get off at Universal City Walk. Well. So now I'm are going, you know, They were saying you could take a bus to Hollywood and Vine. I'm like, no, but I'm meeting my friend. She lives right near Hollywood and Highland. So I basically... I sat there, I, I got out, and there's, like, there's one bus, and there's all these people are screaming from the bus. I was about to call Uber, and I see this n- only normal-looking person on the subway behind me. The owner, she was a very attractive young lady. And I said, hey, are, are, you, are you by any chance calling Uber? She goes, yes. So I said, all right. So we split the Uber, and it all worked out. But it's just amazing that they could shut it shut like the whole city down, because all these people who were going to work. I was going to a concert. I, luckily, that was lucky for me. But all these people who were going to work were screwed, because they had to get off, and they're going to be late, and they're going to get in trouble. Anyway, enough about that. We have a uh, great show today, and my uh, guest today is a very uh, accomplished actor, and uh, he's a big New England fan. And you know, people, you know, how I feel about the Patriots, but whatever. <laughs> we'll my guest is David Starzak. How you doing, David? Good, Steve. How are you? So now, you know, it's funny because at the bottom of your IMDb, mm-hmm. which is very impressive, uh, okay. it says, and he's still,
1: it's he's still maintains my love for doing sports yeah. teams. Yeah, I've just never lost it. And, you know, what's really funny is I've got two sons. They're uh, 18 and 15, and I'm raising them out here, obviously. And they, you know, I mean, we've, we've been through the gamut with them. You know, of course, when the Celtics were beating the Fakers there, it was really bad news for them. Actually, some kids got sent to the office because I sent them in in Celtics jerseys the next day and the kids were picking on them. That was pretty funny. Um, but also, you know, people saying, oh, you know, you've never even lived in Boston, for crying out loud. And my kids are huge Red Sox fans, and they're huge Patriot fans and so that's kind of a, a funny thing however I am meeting a lot of guys out here that do like the Red Sox that never lived there well it's funny I have a really good friend like that he's always like Boston Boston he went
0: to Beverly Hills High so yeah. it's not like he's not you know but he's like I said dude you're not from Boston like I have cousins the Flynn's from Bob uh, they're from Grafton oh there you go and they're there I mean they're diehard that's why I think I hate Boston sports so much because when I was a kid my he should be my uncle but he's my cousin just age difference he bet me money when the Flyers beat the Bruins in the Stanley Cup oh. and he tried to collect the money from me and he never paid me and that was 40 odd years ago yeah
1: it was 40 years ago yeah, for so, sure. so
0: it's funny because you know there is but Boston I think you always I always liked the baseball teams I always liked I mean back I loved Mike Greenwell I loved you know, the, yeah. you know um, Dwight was it Dwight Evans Dwight Evans had yeah. a gun I loved them and I liked it and I just I think it's like anything when a team starts winning everyone starts jumping on the bandwagon and then you start to sit there and you don't like him even because you sit there and go, you know what? And I think it's also a lot of Boston fans are abrasive. I mean, Philadelphia fans are rude. I'll give you that, but Boston fans—they're very. A yeah. lot of them are myopic, and that's the thing. I think people go, "Come on, shut up." We all know Brady's gorgeous. We all know Brady's the best quarterback, <laughs> top five ever in the history. No, probably the greatest ever. But we could, he,
1: we no, could no, argue no. about, that, for about no, that. No, no, no. I know. I,
0: I would not disagree. <laughs> he could with that. be. He might yeah, be. I, I don't know. But the guys—he's I mean, certainly up there. I got in an argument one night with a guy who was telling me, "Oh, Brett Favre's a lot better than Brady." No. And I said, "Dude, you weigh no. four hundred pounds." He no, said, no. "You know nothing about
1: football." <laughs> anyway,
0: so you, you grew up, in, you grew up in Springfield, Mass. I grew up in Springfield, Mass. Now, as a kid, did you? Because you're a big guy, did you play sports? I mean, what gravitations did you
1: yeah. to acting? Yeah, I was uh, I was a hockey goalie and I was a catcher and I played baseball for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really that good, but I played. Um, and I played uh, I played a little bit of basketball. I played a little, you know, all the stuff that kids do and stuff. I, I I'll tell you what uh, what got me involved in being an actor, which is it's kind of a uh, an odd story. Um, I, I had a bad stammer when I was a kid. Okay, I read that, which is funny because
0: yeah. I, I have somewhat of a
1: stammer, and mm-hmm. I did stand up comedy for a long time, mm-hmm. and I
0: never stammered on stage. Yeah, it's and weird, isn't it? When I'm off stage, and my dad always had a very had a bad stammer, mm-hmm. especially when he got mad, and it's something that. So you, you had a stammer, so I you wanted to overcome it because I know a guy I went to high school with who went to a, actually a, a stuttering stammering school, right? Where
1: they make you speak slower, and it's weird. So so you had a stammer, so yeah, with, I always I always thought it's funny because I had. Um, it started when I was in when I was in grade school and um it, we had uh, I was an altar boy and we had a priest who was a born stutterer and he took me aside one time and said listen man you know I'm a born stutterer you are not a stutterer you're just in your head you got to get out of your head so what we're going to do is I'm going to make you get up and read in church you're going to be a lector and man I would my palms and my I would just be it was a horrible experience, but it cured me of it after the second time I did it. Um, so I had always had the idea in my head. I always, as a stammerer, I don't know if this happened to you, but as a stammerer, I would always think of these really pithy, brilliantly funny things to say, but I would never try to say them because I knew they wouldn't come out.
0: Oh, see, no, I, I wasn't that bad. I just, I... I don't know if I repeat, but I do it now. But it's like, mm-hmm. but yeah. Oh, I, mean, I
1: do it. I do it now sometimes as well.
0: But it's funny that you say that because yeah, because it's all in your mind. Like I yeah. went to high school with a kid who was, I guess he was a stutterer, and now he's a very uh, successful rabbi in my hometown. Yeah.
1: So he must have overcome it. There you go. So you had these ideas, and and you didn't. You were right. sort of afraid to say them. Right. So when I was going to go to college, I um, I put down on my college application. I went to I went to School at American International College in Springfield, Massachusetts, and um, I put down. To make myself look more interesting, that I had been in some of the places. As a matter of fact, I auditioned for You Can't Take It With You in high school. Um, And when they wanted to put me in the play, um, I chickened out and said I was going to play baseball. And I knew at that point that that year I had been cut. Okay, So I... I Chickened out and said, "You know, was the stammer involved in that?" Yes. Or is, okay. But when I auditioned, I didn't stammer, so it should have been a clue to me then. But I was still too scared to do it, and that was something That was a lesson that I learned. It was a very valuable lesson because then I went to the production of the play, and while we were there, they one of the guys that was on stage, um, they brought up this guy from Florida. He was going to go to college to be an actor, and and I sat in the crowd and and just was. I, it was it was horrible for me because I realized I could have been up there and he didn't even play the part that I played he played a different part um, so to make myself look more attractive to the colleges that I was applying to I put down that I had been in the plays I had sung in the chorale because I knew I could sing also um, but had never done it <clears throat> so uh, they kept sending me flyers, uh, postcards every year, no emails in those years, obviously. Um, They would send me postcards every year and say, please come audition for the play. Please come audition for the play. And one year I said, uh, yeah, I'm going to go audition for the play. And um, it was a musical. It was The Fantastics. Um, I had never sung on stage. I'd never done anything on stage. And I got the lead. And I went in. And the minute I walked out, I don't know if this has ever happened, but the the minute I walked out uh, and started to speak everything was gone i never it never bothered me again i i i mean i still have moments where i get a little you know hung up on words or something but it wasn't something that was such a huge deal for me like it had been prior right
0: it's funny i think because he just accepted it i think it's also with like mel tillis you know he had to, right but when he got up and he sang he sang. yeah that's so I right. like with the english people when they sing it sounds they sound american. american yeah and i just think it's in our head a lot not i mean a, a bad stutter like I just did, I go, that's yeah, yeah. just me. I do that but too. I, I think a bad stutter is something that needs to be helped. But I think a stammer a lot of times is in our head. Yeah. And then when you don't think about it, even, and if it does come out, the funny thing is, I don't think people notice it as much as we think because we're yeah. self-conscious. Exactly. It's like anything we go, that's absolutely oh my God, right. what did I do? When I did stand up, I would sit there and do, I'd have a 45 minute great set, but i like, Pronounce a word wrong, and yep. I come off the stage, hit myself in the head. Yep, great set. No, I screwed up that word, and like what? And so I think we're just hardening ourselves. Yep, I think that's why we got in this profession we do it because we're harding ourselves. That's right. So you got your your role, and your first role was in college. That's right. Okay, so after that, we just caught. Was, did you? Oh, like, uh, that like,
1: was it, and it was over as soon as I got the first laugh, and that was. <laughs> I mean, really, <clears throat> excuse me. As soon as I got the first laugh, it was all over with, and uh, and you know, and then I just continued to be in the plays while I was in college. Um, And when school was out, uh, you know, I had gone to a very business-oriented school. A couple of my friends had, you know, advised me to transfer over and go to school to be an actor. But uh, at that point, I was already so entrenched in the, you know, in the social life and entrenched in my classes. And it was a small school and I was still a little, you know, I really didn't think at that period I was going to be an actor, by the way. I was just kind of like, well, you know, maybe I'll use this. As a matter of fact, at one point, um, my dad was a very big union official in my hometown. Um, he was, you know, he worked in a factory, but it was AFL-CIO, and he was president of the union, chairman of the negotiating committee, vice president, blah, 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 you know, anything you can imagine. And he was a pretty uh, powerful guy within the union organizations of that area. And the local Democratic Party came to me and said, uh, Liz, we'd like to groom you to run for office. Um, you know, we could, because I used to volunteer for candidates go door-to-door and stuff. And um, they said, we'd like to agree with you to run for office. You know, you're pretty well-spoken and you're friendly and, you know, you're, you know what you're talking about. So, and and at that point, I didn't realize politics was going to turn into show business the way that it has. And I had a little too much respect for it, I guess. I thought to myself, well, I'm not really a governing official. I mean, I could pretend, I could certainly say what they wanted me to say, or I could, you know, do that, but I'm not really a governing official with the actual nuts and bolts of the job. I don't think I'd be interested in doing that. And I said, no, I'm going to be an actor. And, and at that point, I knew I was going to be an actor. So... I left uh, Springfield against everybody's you know well wishes and no one wanted me to do it because it's you know it's a very difficult life at
0: times and it's a big move also I mean it's something that you know you went to college around where you're from and so it's something I went to college an hour from where I grew up and it is it's a big move because you know you forget and I think it's a different time I mean people in LA you know you meet so many people from different areas oh yeah but for that when you grow up you grow up in that town yeah, and you're from that town and your friends are from that town and then you know, years later, I friends, I mean, I went to my 30th reunion, and, you know, of course, some, a lot of my friends are very successful, successful lawyers sure. in that town. Stayed there. And they always sit there and go, Wow, you moved away. Yep. And if they move away, they move to Philadelphia. They move two hours. Yeah. And for you to also be going into being an actor, which, you know, back, I mean, you know, we're, you're a few years older than me. A lot of people, there, that wasn't, it wasn't like a thing like now. I mean, I, when I no. think about it. Like, people just didn't sit there and go, Hey, I'm going to be an actor. No. You're going to be like, What? What the hell? Yeah. So where did you go after you got out of... Where'd you go from Springfield?
1: Well, first I went to Boston uh, for a couple of years. Which I heard about a very good theater. Area. Uh, you know what? We, they did have a good theater there. Yeah, I did, I did some good stuff there. I worked at the public theater. I did Shakespeare there. I did stuff with guys who graduated from Emerson. I, the little small theater companies. I, I did some good stuff in Boston, but Boston was more... Actually, what Boston was more than anything else was um, it was kind of a starter city for me because it's a smaller city. It's more accessible. Um, it's... Um, you know, it, it was just coming from Springfield, which is you know, it's the second largest city in, uh, in in Massachusetts, but comparatively, it's tiny. It's only two hundred fifty thousand people. Um, so to go to Boston, it was sort of the precursor to going to New York, which was you know the big bugaboo. Because all also, when you didn't live uh, anywhere near New York, the only thing you ever heard was you know seventeen people shot on the subway at blah And so my mother was you know rosaries every single night of the week for me because she was sure I was going to get killed. Um, so I went, and then I kind of uh, went back and forth from Boston to New York for a few years doing theater. And then I moved to New York permanently. Um, and I was there for about, jeez, oh, I must have been there for seven or eight years. Um, and I met my wife. Uh, we were doing a play together. So she was also, okay. She was also an actress. And uh, she, had a, she had a theater company. She had a theater company. And, uh, and uh, actually, it's kind of a, a good story. They called me in to uh, audition. And this was uh, back when I drank. And I was terribly hungover and I went into audition and she was uh, behind the, the, uh, the big table that they had set up where all the producers and the director were sitting. And uh, I walked in and sat down and looked up. I had very long hair and I looked up and I looked at her and I swear, I swear, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, I'm going to marry that girl. And I did. Six months later, I married her. We've been married for 24 years. This August,
0: congratulations! Thank that's you awesome. very much. That's awesome. That's yeah. just so
1: funny. It's like, well, it,
0: it people. So many people have this story. It's just how. It's so cool when people meet. It's like yeah. Xander Berkeley met his wife on yeah. 24. Just right. and it was random. Like they both. And it's just yeah. that's those are the stories that say, you know what, they're going to be together a long time. Just yeah. because you sat there and you knew it. And 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 then it's day and age and the profession you're in because you know you work a lot you travel a lot I'm oh, sure God, yeah, yeah. and it's hard and yeah. it's,
1: saying it's but that's awesome. No, I think when we, we when we get to 20 Twenty-five years, we get the Lifetime Achievement Award. Exactly, it <laughs> it's, it's something. So you, uh, so so, you, so we, so we were in New York a couple years when when we were married, and then um, she actually met uh, Arnon Milchan, the big producer, the you know did all the did big and JFK, and you know they they just he just won the Oscar, they they just won for uh, Birdman, um, and Arnon took a liking to her and uh, said, you know, come on out and I'll introduce you around a little bit, and of course this was way before you know one of the things about. About being an actor is that nobody really ever tells you, especially when you start, like, I didn't go to school for this, okay? So uh, I've got a son that's going to go to college for it in the fall, and we're really encouraging him to do it, because I've gotten farther along in my career than anybody that I know who didn't go to go to college to do this. Because, you know, once you get out of college, you have contacts, and people right. say, oh, you went to Carnegie Mellon? Well, what do you know? Um But anyway, uh, you know, she kept going around waiting for people to ask her to do monologues or something because there was, you know, there was no internet then or anything like that. And we just didn't know what to do. She had meetings and, you know, just kind of, oh, hello. And how are you? And, and, you know, nothing really came of it except we moved here. She came out. She said, oh, this is it. We got to pack up the house and move out here. So she came out and find an apartment. I packed up the apartment in New York and, um, I was living with Greg Oates. Actually, was a screenwriter now, and uh, I drove the cats and all the, and everything we had across the country.
0: Where did you first move here? Because I, I always ask my guests because I know it's so funny. Because when I first lived here, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was married at the time, and my ex wife and me were in San Diego, and I would come up and I'd wait tables and try to get stuff going and go back on weekends. Right, and I rented a place on. Hollywood, behind Hollywood and Highland, a little studio. Okay. Before it was built up, I paid three eighty five a month. I saw my friend Jolene yesterday, who we worked. We used to wait tables together. We went to the concert together. Right. And uh, she lives right on down near uh, past lebraham Okay. And I was talking to her about rent and how things have changed. And she has a two bedroom, and it's it's a security building, but you know it's nothing. It's pays twenty six fifty, and I yeah. went. Man, That's rent is going up. I paid three. I mean, I I I paid three seventy five yeah. for a studio. Yeah. I gave it up a studio, but that was right in the area. And but when I moved there, it was sort of crappy. Where was your first apartment?
1: Out here? We lived. You know where um, Hollywood High School is, right? Yeah, live. Okay, so if you go, um, if you go, it's on the east side of Hollywood High School. You know where that. uh in and out burger is yeah there was nothing there before it was behind in and out burger there's a street um long not long wood long something the long uh, no-, no 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 it's no it's behind it okay um anyway we lived on that street right next to hollywood high school in a two-bedroom apartment that cost us 450 dollars isn't that crazy not- i couldn't be- i mean you look back on that now i'm like oh my god it's crazy. So you you get out here, and now she has made some contacts. She's made some contacts. Now, but how about you? Do you no nothing? I mean, I came out here. I wasn't even in the union. I was. I was. As a matter of fact, I got some of the greatest advice I ever got from a character actor um, when we first came out. I was here for about a week. I wasn't in the union. Uh, I didn't know anybody. I mean, it was you know we'd had a couple people that we knew from New York lived here, maybe two. And um, I was. Going into Rock and Roll Ralphs, we had one car, so I would walk over to Rock and Roll Ralphs. It's on, so funny. Uh, I, sunset, tell my, right? I was
0: telling Joanne about that. I'm like, because my friend's a manager for the, he went he got transferred to the Ralphs on Sunset and Western, which right. is awful. Oh, it's and terrible. I was like, yeah. I was like, he's like, wow. I said, you should have gotten Rock and Roll. And people, if you don't know, there's a Ralphs and Sunset, and no matter what hour you go in, there's someone with long
1: hair. It's just
0: a given. So the, hence, it's been everyone knows if you're from you're only from LA if you know Rock and Roll
1: Ralphs. <laughs> it's so funny you said so, that. So we, uh, I was walking. Uh, into Rock and Roll Ralphs, and the, uh, this guy who had been in stuff my entire life, he was in Guys and Dolls, the guy, I mean, he was just in everything, uh, television, movies, blah, blah, I can see him, I don't know his name. Um, and actually I should know his name because I tell this story a lot to young actors and the guy was coming out and, 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 you know, he's carrying his bags and he had a cigarette dangling out of the corner of his mouth. And I went up, I went up and I said, listen, sir, I I don't want to bother you. I really don't want to, I'm sorry to do this, but I've been here for a week. I'm scared to death. I said, I don't, you know, could you, could I just get a little, little bit of advice from you? I mean, I'm not even in the union. I, I, what do I do? And he was very nonplussed about being stopped. So he put his bags down, he took the cigarette out of his mouth, and he said two things to me that stayed with me forever that I say to every actor I know. The first thing he said was, just remember, kid, you keep 90% of the money for a reason. That was really something. It was like 90% of it was my responsibility. And I knew when I got jobs even that 90% of it was my responsibility so that I made the contacts when I got the jobs and I knew the producers and blah, 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 blah. It was really something. And then he said, your job for the rest of your life is to get it right. He said, those people, when you go to work, they've been there, they were there before you got there and they're going to be there after you go home. They have families. They want to see them. They work hard. You get it right. You do your job when you get a job. And that's what. That's all he told me. He picked up his bags and he walked away. And it was... It, in a, in a profession where so many people talk about it being, it's all about you and what you're thinking and what you're feeling and, 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 and you and you and you all the time, that really made it, and coming from a background, as I said before, my dad was a, a union official, um, and, and so coming from a blue-collar background, it really instilled in me, uh, not that I needed respect for what I do, but it, it instilled a deeper respect for me for what I for for what everybody did so that I did my part instead of the thing being about me you know and not that it ever was really with me anyway but I thought that was a really great little piece of advice
0: well it's true and I also think well also and you did grow up back east which I did I think a lot of People from back east and the Midwest uh, have more of a work ethic instilled in them. I agree. Just so because, like, my mom's parents were right off the boat from Yugoslavia and Czechoslovakia, uh, Yugoslavia and Austria, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And they owned a little bar, you know. And my father was from the right side of the tracks, but his parents were English and German who came from, you know. And yeah, it was just thing you you worked. You got up, you know, you went to work. Yep. And, you know, if you felt like crap, you went to work. That's you right. didn't miss work. You sat there. When I did stand up comedy as a profession, I was never late for a show, I was there. 45 minutes before, I always pause and I would get that nervousness and I'm going, oh, my God, I'm going to be late. And It's like, wait, I have two hours to get there.
1: But I, just- I feel exactly this. I felt like that coming coming here. I mean, it's like you want to you want to hold up your end of it, you know. And also, I think we've got a responsibility as people on, on one side of the camera or the other or one side of the mic or the other to make sure that you're. You know, that that when you do your job, you're adding something rather than subtracting things. Right. I always
0: think that, too. Yeah, I always sit there and that's I do my research. I know what's going on just because, for me, you guys are coming. You're doing, as I look at it, you're doing me a favor. Even yeah. though it's my show, you're doing me a favor. I get to talk to people who love the craft and stuff like that. And I think that, I think a lot of people, I've noticed a lot of older people in Hollywood have that view a lot of the younger ones now don't I mean I'm not sure I don't I don't run into them a lot I don't run into a lot of younger actors but I think it's just I think it's a big thing from the East Coast too that you just you had that instilled that work ethic and you respected people because if you think about it most of us in that 45 and up age not our, not our parents, but our parents' parents, sure. or around, or their parents were blue collar. Yes. I mean, from and the East came Coast. from
1: other places, right. And came here and had to make a new life for themselves, and almost what we did coming out here. Really, I mean, you know, in spite of the fact that you know those guys, uh, my grandparents didn't speak the language. I mean, you know, so that was a big thing. You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you one other thing about uh, about on, on, along those lines. When I got my first job, and I said this um, in my dad's eulogy. When I got my first job, it was on a spelling show called University Hospital. You know, nurses running around in bras and panties and stuff. It was really it was something. Uh, with the great Andy Milder playing my playing my friend. If you can get a, if you can ever get Andy Milder, Andy Milder, in here you should. I don't,
0: I've never heard of him.
1: Andy, oh, Andy! You know what? Look him up. He's Andy's. Okay. Andy's a great guy. He's a great raconteur. He's a wonderful actor. Absolutely fantastic. Um, anyway, when I got the job. My dad called me when it was over. I had gone up to Vancouver and done the job. And and, I said, uh, and he said, well, how was it? And I said, oh, it was great. You know, I showed up and they came with a car and they picked me up at the airport and they brought me over and they, they put me in a trailer and then they did my hair and my makeup and, and they put me back in my trailer and the, the kid asked me if I wanted coffee and breakfast. And then I said, uh, you know, whatever. And then, and then they came around. They said, talent to the set. And I came outside. I got in the car. My dad said, whoa, 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 what, what? They said, what? And I said, they said, talent to the set. And he said, is that what you are, David? Are you talent? <laughs> and I said, uh, yes, I am, dad. And he said, and what about the person that uh, put the makeup on? think they have any ability? And I said, yeah. And he goes, how about the guy who's operating the camera? You think he's got any talent? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, then never forget that and treat everybody that way.
0: See, that's good. You say that. That's good. That is so important because it is. It's everyone. And you know what? I mean, hey, makeup artists, they're amazing. That's a tough job, if, if, man. If it's a crappy makeup artist, your people
1: are going, oh my God, you look like crap. And if it's a crappy makeup artist, everybody knows it. Right. You know, which is why they don't last very long. I mean. So University Hospital was your first gig. Now, first gig. now how long did it take you
0: from moving out here how, how, what did you first get your agent after running into the guy at the Ralph's and being scared? And he helped you out a little bit uh, just for your confidence level. When did you get an agent and how
1: quick did you get that job? That was probably, I think I got an agent within, well, what, what had happened was there was a uh, fellow called Richard Kerner who became a manager, uh, who wanted to be an actor and became a manager. And uh, he had gone to college with my wife, Kim. And so he took me on. He was, a, you know, just starting out. He got a job with these uh, two other guys that were pretty established. And then he introduced me around to a couple of people. And I think I, we moved here in 93. And I got my first television job in 95. Must Damn. have been ninety five.
0: Ninety five. It says ninety five. Yeah, it
1: says yeah. University Hospital. So it must you, have been ninety five. Patrick. Yes, exactly. It was a uh, it was a Cyrano story. I was a big stupid football player, and Andy Milder was the guy who was really in love with the girl, and he was writing all the notes, and I, and you know she was, thought I was doing it. It was actually really really cute. And then Andy went on to play um, in the criminal minds that I'm in. Uh, Andy plays the my disabled brother who was okay. kidnapping the girls and killing them and stuff so we had kind of a a full circle That's thing. Cool. So after
0: you get that first gig you ha- your confidence has
1: to be up. I mean just because it, it, I think oh, it has. sits there and you sit there and go okay I can do this. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, the, you know and I think I think also though the the one thing I've never gotten used to and I don't know many actors that do but it's it's really wears on me at times. Um, I'm going through a period of it now, as a matter of fact. Um, The levels of rejection are are the only thing that saves me from that, because I I did have in the beginning, I had sleepless nights. I would go in and audition for something, and I knew I was the best. I knew I was the best one for the job. I know I'm the best one for the job every time I go in. And I guess everybody feels that way. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep doing it. And I'm not saying the guys that I audition against are terrible. You're going to have Larry Poindexter in here in a little while. He's a wonderful actor. Um, you know, all my cohorts now, someone told me when we first started, uh, look, right now, this was uh, about 25 years ago, he goes, look, right now, it's you and me and 750 guys. And about a third of us can do it. In 10 years, it's going to be you and me and 250 guys, and half of us are going to do it. In another 10 years, it's going to be you and me and 25 guys, and we can all do it. And that's exactly what's happened. Well, I've noticed that. And it's
0: funny, I've noticed that because I always talk about this when I get different types of actors in with different looks okay. and all a lot of the guys all started out you know 20 odd years ago and yep. you saw each other in the room and then you sat there and some of you got it and some of you didn't and just the same as you say and now when you all go in the room you go okay well one of us is going to get it but I think it's changed but now you go well you know what if one of them gets it I know they're good it's yes. not um, they're not getting it because they know somebody. They have they right. they pay the dues, and it's like, it's uh, yeah that's the way
1: it works. I mean, if people who last last for a reason because they have the talent. Sure. And Larry Larry at an audition recently, he said, "I think we've reached a point. We were all sitting in a room. He goes, I think we've reached a point where they could just put our pictures up on a wall, blindfold themselves, and throw a dart.' And the meaning is not that like, it did, and that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. What it means is they'd get a professional performance out of any of us,
0: right? And that's that's way, and it's just, <clears throat> I always crack up because you all have your looks, like you know, right. You guys, you and Larry have the Handsome, the guy you're going to play this, and then some. And you have like, something,
1: yeah. You know, you have some. some somebody's got bald guys. Yeah, yeah. You, know,
0: you have, you know, Brian Husky and Bob Clendendon, They all, you all have your own group, and I love it, especially interviewing her, yeah. because I know as soon as you, I know who knows who, yep. like you. And I'm sure it's you and Larry and Spencer Garrett in a yep, room all the time, and someone else. And you go, okay. And after a while, it I becomes think,
1: old, old home week, We we make jokes when we walk into places, like, well, we should really just get in touch with each other and <laughs> commute. And you know what? You know, one of the biggest differences, too, by the way, is um, when I first started out. Um, you know, you'd go in the rooms and we were all a bunch of young guys and they you had that young guy energy, you know, you'd go in the room and look at, uh, look at guys you were auditioning with and, you know, think to yourself, who oh, does this guy think he is He's out of here? What a moron get away from him. now. We're kind of rooting for, for one another, you know, and you're all family, man, we all have, and, we all have families. That's and that's right. what I love about it. It's, you know,
0: you've all grown, you know, you've all started off as, you know, just younger actors. And now years later you all have kept in touch you all have families you guys probably when you each other you, you know there's no animosity I mean, I mean i'm sure every once in a while there's a dick you don't like i mean that's yeah. like that's like anything that, that, I mean, that that's just that happens no. everything but i think it's that's great because it's a camaraderie and yeah. i think that's what's important well I think,
1: we're and we're the last people standing right you know we're really the last one standing i can't tell you how many guys that i started with are gone I got to a point and just said you know oh i, I mean i had a guy a couple years ago that i've been doing this with for 25 years well my father passed away and he left me the house and I'm the only kid. So I'm out. That's just amazing. I'm done. I just can't do it anymore. But it's tough, man. I just had something. Um, Larry just Larry and I were up against each other for something um, almost a month ago. And it was just the two of us, down to the two of us for a big commercial. Um, and we went down and went through our paces down at a firehouse, believe it or not, in Long Beach. And he got it and I didn't. And I was happy for him because he's got a family. And, you know, it's always good to do it. But it's hard to, you know, it's hard to put yourself out and then not get it. And, and. It's an interesting dichotomy, because in a business where you have to, your emotions have to be accessible, and on the surface, you're also expected to be unemotional about the outcome. Right. And that's a very, very fine line to walk. I want to talk about commercials. I want to get back to sure. your career, but the commercials. Sure, sure. Now, you were in a, a big Chase Sapphire Yes, you? I was, yeah. There was okay. three of them, I think.
0: Now. Had you been auditioning for commercials a lot, and during I mean, could you nine years. Okay, so you auditioned. Out, had you gotten any good? Nine years. Okay, so you were going without, out without getting one. And see, that's what's crazy because you were getting, but you were getting acting parts, which must you know, much, yes. much, much irritate. I mean, not irritate you nothing, yeah. but it's like, wait a second, I can act. Yes. I am getting booked. I have a theater background. And wait a second, you you won't. So I mean, what was it like? Did you know this was going to be a big campaign
1: when you did that? No, 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 no. No, no, no. You never know. I mean, I've done things where I thought it was going to be a huge thing, and it turned out to be just the payday, and that was it. It was just the day that we worked, and that was it. It never ran. Um, and I've done things where I thought it was going to be nothing, that it ran for three years. I did an auto trader commercial where I literally, I got to work at 8.30 in the morning, and by 10 o'clock, I was done. Um, I, I walked across the, uh, the car dealership with my hand out, and she walked towards me with her hand out. We didn't even shake hands. That was all the commercial I was in. That was it. Boom one thing i was there for an hour and a half it ran for three years wow so you you'd you never know i mean and i've done big lead spots and I, I did a great commercial for uh i can't remember the product it was for um uh disposable toothbrushes and the whole thing was like this big sexual dinner that you're having with this gorgeous blonde girl and you know we're 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 all over each other and feeding each other pie and and then i'm i, I I come out of the pharmacy. We cut and I come out of the pharmacy with a brown bag. And of course, it looks like I have condoms in the bag. But when I come out, she says, did you get them? And I say, yes. And she puts a big smile and it's been blueberry pie. And our teeth are both stained with the blueberry pie, which I thought was going to be a huge, huge spot. And it never ran.
0: See, that's that's amazing. Now, did you get start when the Chase commercials that people mm-hmm. start recognizing you? Yes. Because that's something that, you know, you can be in a bunch of TV shows. But if you're in a commercial, because they play so That's much exposure, yeah. And Chase is one of those. You know, if it's during football season, they're playing. That was it. If it's this, the baseball, they're playing. Yep. So, what was that like when people started recognizing
1: you? Was it odd? I mean, because I mean, I, it, well, I had been I had been recognized up till then for you know for other things, but not in such a. Like people would, uh, um, when I was in places where they weren't expecting me to be, it would be a little bit of kind of a. What are you? What is that? What are you doing here, or something like that? But this was that was a little different. You're right. Now the the beauty of those commercials were too. Uh, Molly Culver, who played the girl, who played my wife, um, I had played her husband on something. 10 years prior okay so when molly and i went into audition for the spot we actually got called back and we you know at a commercial callback they just kind of whenever you come in they pair you up with that person and it just happened that molly and i went in together and when we went in together we were doing such a a a dance of catching up with one another because i hadn't seen her in such a long time that the people who were running the the audition actually kind of felt like they were interrupting us you know, saying, you know, do we, can we, could we do this? And I'm so talking about her husband and she's talking about my kids. So they knew the chemistry was there. So was the like- chemistry was there, which, and it was, that was just completely chance. That was completely by chance that we went in together completely by chance that I'd played her husband before. And when I played her husband before we really got along well. I really liked her a lot. She really liked me a lot. So it was a good thing. Um, and then you know, then people would say stuff that uh, sounds like it's a cliche, and had you know, I had heard people do it before, but it never happened to me. People would come up, I'd be in, I'd be in Springfield, and some woman would walk up and go, "Where's your wife?" And I'd say, "My wife is over here." And they'd say, "No, no, no, your wife, your wife, the wife, the wife that you're with on television." But the the best one that the person that said the funniest thing to me was at my kids' preschool, because my kids were little then. Um, this little boy named Kyle came up to me and my older boy is named Liam and he walked up to me I don't know Kyle was maybe six and he goes Liam's dad I saw you on television last night with a woman that was not Liam's mom and I said uh well that was a commercial Kyle you know I was just pretending to be in a commercial and he looked at me with this disapproving look on his face and said that wasn't your wife and walked away from That's me. funny. <laughs> Left me there. Well, you know what's funny about that
0: <laughs> commercial is because I, I saw you, I think I saw you in person of interest. When I saw you, whatever it is, when I watch TV, I see. I was someone, on person oh, of interest
1: a couple weeks ago. They actually re- uh, ran it. They, yeah. they just re-ran it. Well, but when I see someone, I go, Oh, that person looks and I
0: suddenly looked at your I looked at your thing and I said, Oh he's been a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. And then when I was doing my research, then I saw it and I went, boom, I said, okay. And I knew you looked familiar, I knew you looked familiar from other TV shows. Yeah. But then I went Wait a second, and that's what it came to me. I said, yeah. and that's just weird because for someone who watches TV and follows it, I mean, I watch both aspects. But it's just funny because for me, I
1: was like, oh my god, and I didn't think. And it's just weird. Well, they 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 pound the bejesus out of them too, and they play it. You know, during they they played that just during just about anything. They played it during the Oscars. They played it during you know, I mean, it was kind of wild. It was uh, it was. I wish I could get another job like that. It was a really good, it was a good paying job and it was fun and they were really nice and they were supportive. I really thought we were going to keep doing them but they didn't, so whatever.
0: Well, you did that commercial but now for your acting, uh, the TV acting, mm-hmm. now your first was now, you were in Felicity. Was that recurring or that was like they had two episodes? I think I, did,
1: I, think I did a couple of them.
0: I now think I did a couple of them. And then you did Pacific Blue. That was fun now that shot in did that shoot in Santa Monica, that, that, shot in
1: Santa Monica. Okay. that shot in
0: Santa Monica that shot in Santa Monica yeah was that that was the bike
1: cops right? that was the bike cops I but I was a um I was a lawyer so Paula tricky uh, beautiful girl uh, wonderful wonderful lady too um Paula um was sort of dating I, if I remember correctly, now she was dating the guy who was the captain, or maybe the sergeant, whoever it was who was in charge of their squad. They were bike cops. It was Mario Lopez, and you know, and all those guys. So uh, she was dating him, or she liked him. But then she met me, and and we started up. And then I asked her to marry me, and then she said yes. And then she gave me the ring back. But then it turned out she was pregnant. And we weren't sure who. The father was going to be, and we were actually going to find out at the beginning of the next year, and they canceled it. So I don't know. I, I ha- always, I always thought it was me.
0: I hate when that happens. <laughs> you said they're going, and especially if you're the actor, you must be like, damn it, I want to yeah, know. It was enough. me. It was me. And oh you know, well, you were in Veronica's closet, which uh, oh, that was so much fun. That show, you know, when I think about it, was so
1: damn funny. Oh yeah, it was like one of those, it's back when sitcoms used to be good. Well, that was back when you had, you know, as opposed to. Um, I'm going to put this a delicate way, as opposed to what they did afterwards, which was NBC started making NBC productions for NBC. So everything was done in-house and it kind of squelches the creativity. Not, not so much now. I mean, now I think things are starting to open up a little bit. But during that period of time, you had a bright Kaufman and Crane who came up with an idea independently of everything and then went in and sold it. Um, a lot of stuff happens in-house now, I think. Um, but that was fun, man. They were the greatest people that was, that was Dan Cortez and, and Wally Langham and chill Mitchell. And I mean, they were you know, and, and Kirstie was lovely. And I just saw, um, I just saw, uh, uh oh my God. Um, I just saw her on the subway. We were talking a little bit. I can't remember the other lady who was in it. Uh, Kathy uh, and Jimmy. Um, But uh, John Mariano and I played brothers. We played um, stupid New York City transit cops. And Johnny is really one of the funniest guys in town. John is just fantastic. Um, and we did a little Abbott and Costello stuff with it, you know, which was great because he's—I love classic stuff—and he does as well. And so we kind of were able to play a little bit off of one another. And he's one of the funniest people in town, John.
0: Now you, you do a lot. You've done a lot of the. Uh, you've done the sitcoms. You've done like you went in the practice and stuff like that. But yeah. But you've also done soaps. Now, yeah, now I've bit. I've heard yeah. soaps are hard Very. to be in, just because as an actor. I mean, now yeah. you have a theater background, so. But when you have a theater background, you get to work and practice on that theater part. But a soap, it's like you have to learn dialogue and every best. day. So I mean, how in your mind? I mean, as it's you know, like anything. If you're going to be in a part in a TV show, you have the script and you have right. to shoot it. When it's a soap, you get and, it they the say, night and they say before, and sometimes they change it. How do you how do you go about learning that? I mean, I mean, it just it must be
1: it's panic. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean <laughs> it's panic. You have to learn so much, and and you know one of the things about it i think is that it and it, it, a lot of it depends first of all with the soaps is um you have to you, you have to get it right they don't have any time for you to screw up what's the production day like on a soap like you get your you work half an hour you i'm i'm sorry you work half a day okay they bring you in in the morning they shoot one episode in the morning one episode in the afternoon usually it depends i mean not long ago i did um I do the Bold and the Beautiful, I think, or something? And when I did it, they called me in in the morning, and they didn't shoot me until 6 o'clock in the evening. And I sat there all day. Now, that's a hard thing to do, by the way, is to sit there with the dialogue all day, trying to remember it, trying not to screw it up. You're ready to go. Okay, it's going to be an hour. No, sorry. It's going to be another couple of hours. We're sorry. We're having oh whatever it is. Um, luckily enough, when I did um, The Young and the Restless, um, I, most of my stuff was with Eric Braden. Now, first of all, Eric Braden was always the Nazi when we were kids. He was always the bad guy, the right. bad German guy, right? So that was really cool. That was so thrilling to be up there with him, you know. Um, but he is a, you know, after being on that show for 45 years or however long he's been on, which is a very long time, um, he is a bit of a, of a taskmaster. He wants to get it done and get it right and get out of there because, you know, it's a job he's had for 45 years. I don't blame the guy. Um, so there was pressure there to get it right. And uh, that was a really um fun challenge, actually. There was nothing intimidating about it. He was a very nice guy. Um, what i what I find about most of the celebrities that I've worked with is if you go there and you know how to do your job, they have a level of respect for you that is that you've earned um, and that they and they will gladly give you. Um, you know i'd you hear stories about people that are nightmares people that are bad news I have got to say that I've in the 106 things that I've got or however many on IMDB I haven't worked with anybody that I wouldn't want to work with again see that's always good and I hear that a lot too I hear there's so many good you know,
0: people well no, the thing is what the, the soap operas is the also mm-hmm. is that's where you get the fanatical fans oh I yeah mean, I mean they I had Tal Penglis on who was oh, yeah. in you know and I mean I tweeted he was coming on and well that's it oh my god he retweeted it and there's women sending me when's he on when and i was like oh he had to cancel oh does and and women that would had never have sent me a tweet and it's like there's just they they watch the soap and they really they just they imbibe your characters
1: well i think also you know uh, one of the funny things about the soaps are um when i went on i played a doctor on the young and the restless for i don't know maybe 15 episodes or something and um when i went on to do it The girl was uh, sick in bed and eventually she recovers. But the first time that I did my dialogue, I came out with a lot of urgency because I was talking about, okay, she's got this wrong with her and that wrong with her. And this is what we're doing to try to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because actually at one point in my life, I worked in a hospital. And um, and so I, you know, I put a lot of urgency to what was going on because she was ill. And uh, the director, I heard the director from the booth say, cut, and come down. And she said, David, listen, um, you're going to be saying this exact same dialogue, but just written a little bit differently for the next three weeks. So please try to flatten it out a little bit. <laughs> like, okay. So I said, all right, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I did. Basically, I did. Um, and one of, one of my favorite moments uh, from Soaps, we were, um, I was going to go in at the very end of my bit on The Young and the Restless and say, okay, she's ready to go home. I would advise you guys to please stop fighting with one another. And, you know, she needs a calm environment to go home to. Uh, She's got this wrong with her, that wrong with her, and this is what you need to do. Okay. So I'm backstage with a couple of the actors and I'm behind the door that I'm going to enter into and the scene's going on and the cameras are rolling. And right before it's my cue one of the younger actors leans over into my ear and he says, dude, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can work rectal bleeding into the dialogue. <laughs> and, and, then, and then it was my cue and I walked out and I, it, I had all I could do to not, to not laugh, um, which was, it, that, that was, that was really fun. I'll never, never forget that. It was really very cool. He was, he was a good guy too. But yeah, you know, you, one of the things I've, I've, I've gotten over the years and I've never lost it and I'm kind of glad about it Um, I've never gotten over the idea that I'm sitting in the room with Don Johnson or that I'm sitting in the room with Eric Braden or that I'm sitting in the room with, you know, whomever it is that I'm with people that I've watched my whole life, people that I've been enamored of or respected or enjoyed their work or whatever it is, you know, um, uh, maybe I just never lost that little bit of Massachusetts in me or something. But, know, but the thing is that, but you've worked on some really cool shows. I mean, oh you, yeah. You got to do mad men, which was fun, which is, you know, the last seasons coming up what a, Sunday and what a job too that we, we, we shot that in Hawaii and, um, as opposed to, and how things, you, they work it the way it used to be, by the way. Um, I called them and, you know, I got the job and I called them and said, it's why, um, can I take my wife? And, uh, as opposed to a lot of studios who now say, no, you know, you can't forget it. You can't do that. They said, yeah, sure. And my wife came down and it, that job happened to coincide. It was right in between her birthday and our wedding anniversary. So I I knocked the whole thing out in one little little weekend thing. That was very cool.
0: It must be great to be involved in that show. It's funny. I've had people on the show who've been
1: on that show before. And basically, I've heard the scripts are very secretive. He, he gives a speech at the beginning of the production where he says, um, if you tweet, if you Facebook, if you email, if you tell anybody, we're going to find out about it. And not only when we find out about it, not only will we fire you and reshoot your stuff, but we'll sue you for the production costs for the days that you worked. He's very serious about it. Now, I got a little madman uh, thing about, uh, you know, I've got a little stick in my craw about it. I um, So Matt's, Uh, Son played soccer with my boy Liam. Um, I have two boys, Liam, Liam, and Finn. And when Liam was, I don't know, maybe five or six years old, uh, he was playing uh, soccer uh, with Matt's boy, and I I didn't know Matt was anybody. He was just you know dad that came to the soccer games. And you know I was loud and yelling my head off all the time as I always do because I'm a big sports fan. And um, later that year, uh, I got an audition for a show that was going to be on Bravo, and I went in. And it was him. He was sitting there, just him and the casting person. And I went in and he said, Liam's dad. And I said, Well, Matt, what are you doing here? And he said, Well, this is my show. And I said, Really? Are you a writer? He goes, Well, yeah. Didn't you watch The Sopranos? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um, so I went in and uh, I read for, uh, for Don Draper. And they loved what I did, and they were actually going to uh, go further with the audition. I was going to go to the next thing, and Bravo pulled the money. And the following year, the, the show came back, and they hired John, who did an absolutely fantastic job. And, you know, was 10 years younger than I am, so if they were going to, you know...
0: It's so weird how that works. Yeah. It's just,
1: like, people, when they
0: pull... Like, I had a guest on last week who was cast in the middle and then the strike happened and they pulled that and then and then the it's middle back. and now it's back. And yeah. you know. So now you also got to work in Hot in Cleveland.
1: Which was, I, let, me, let, let me tell there, you that. First of all, let me, let
0: me, those, that is oh. like
1: an all-star of comedic women. Everything, and, 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 and if you watch it, to just, I was telling them this the other night because they had the rap party on Saturday and I went, I went to the rap party with Kim. And, um, you know, just to have been included in a group that had not just those four women but Carl Reiner and Tim Conway and Don Rickles and I mean I mean everybody was in that show um uh, yeah that was an amazing experience all the way around uh Valerie Bertinelli was truly one of the nicest people in show business and Betty was and uh, well first of all Betty was just a hoot and lovely, and all of them, Jane and Wendy, absolutely great, Todd Milner, Suzanne, everybody was lovely, um, excuse me, but they run it the way they used the way television used to be, and i 'll tell you why I say that. Betty had to say some things in Polish, and she did not couldn't speak polish so. They said, Starzyk is a Polish name, isn't it? And I said, yeah. And they said, does your mother speak Polish by any chance? And I said, yeah, she does. And they said, could you get her to pronounce some things for us? So there are moments in that show where, in the episodes that I'm in, where when Betty is speaking Polish, I'm actually lying on the floor saying the words up at her and she's repeating them back. But it's because my mother told me over the phone how to pronounce the words and by way of thanks... They didn't even ask me. They looked up her address. They sent her more flowers than she could fit on the dining room table for doing that. See, that's
0: cool. That's how television used to be. And you know what's cool also? It's got to be, you know, like anything. Your your mom must be, like, cracking up. Just because it's like, you know... And it's one of those things where people are like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, oh, no, I swear to God... David called me and he said that do this yeah. and I gave the words and you know you know how older, oh, you know, sure. older people are yeah whatever oh yeah sure just like you know your husband called the huge fish you know <laughs> exactly. that's cool so so you
1: called your mom out of the blue yep, and, and said can you pronounce these words for me and she did and I wrote them down phonetically because I don't speak Polish but I wrote them down phonetically and I grew up you know hearing enough of it that I was able to pronounce it and, and that was that but they were I mean they it could not have been and, and I'll tell you a little, a little inside baseball too I had, um, this is actually one of my favorite Hollywood stories. I went in to read for the pilot, and I read for the part of the plumber who lives on the boat, and you know the whole premise of the show is they land in Cleveland, they're supposed to be going to Paris, they're the hottest things in Cleveland, so they decide to stay. Valerie has a one-night stand with the plumber, she finds out the next day that he's married, breaks her heart, they decide to stay anyway. So they wanted to hire me. I went in, read for Sean Hayes. I read for Todd. I read for everybody. They loved me. They wanted to hire me. Uh, TV Land came back and said, no, this is our first foray into scripted television. Uh, We need to get a name. So they hired John John Schneider, who's a lovely man. They hired John. And he's a very, very fine actor, too. Um, Hired John Schneider. John Schneider came in and did the part. That was that. Later on in the season, they call up and... uh, I audition and they say, okay, we want you to play Pete the cop. So I go in and I play Pete the cop and I stay for six episodes or five episodes, however many episodes it was. But how about this? How I got off the show was when I was going to ask Valerie to marry me, I took her to a big family reunion where Bonnie Franklin played my mother. That's so crazy. Okay, A few months before she died, maybe six or seven months before she died. Bonnie Franklin played my mother. And I went in at this big family reunion to announce that I was going to marry her, and John Schneider comes in, and he's my brother. And I find out that they had an affair, and I get pissed off, and I leave, and that's the end of my character. But the character that I auditioned for in the beginning that they wouldn't hire me for was the character that eventually ended up getting me off the show anyway. Isn't that funny? That's insane. That's, that's
0: crazy. <laughs> but what was it? It must be weird playing Valerie Bertinelli's love because we all had a crush on her when she was in. And we're exactly the same age. We're exactly the same age. I mean, when one when, uh, one day at a time came on. I had she, pictures of everyone on the had wall. crushes. They were like, yeah, not the Mackenzie Phillips, but uh, Valerie no. Bertinelli. And she was at the concert last night with Van Halen. She was on the side. Oh sure, yeah.
1: And uh, so that must have just been awesome, I and mean, that must be crazy. Well, all my and you know all my friends were you know I was getting the big f off from from everybody that I knew because it was we're you know Valerie and I are exactly the same age. Um, and, and sure, when I was that age, I had pictures of her on the wall for crying out loud, you know, and here she is jumping into my arms and I'm kissing her. And, you know, the other night at the, uh, the other night at the party, she came over. Oh, David! Oh my goodness! And blah blah blah. You know, it's just odd. She like she knows my name. It's well, yeah, it's, that's just that's what's so cool about this. And I mean, I said you've been in some really good shows. I mean, yeah. you know, you got to do a uh, um, well, person of interest, which now that's that shoots in New York, right? That does shoot in New York. I was in New York in the fall. I, I um, there's so much work there that my wife uh, very kindly. Uh, agreed with the idea that I would go and, and I went and I sublet an apartment for a few months and um, I stayed there and I did uh, Blue Bloods um, with Bridget Moynihan, who grew up a stones throw, throw away from where I grew up, although she's much younger than I am, I didn't know her. And she was with Brady, right? And she was with Tommy So, so um, for a Patriots, it it was very cool. Like, wow, she's wow. got she's got Tommy's Tommy's son. To I know. You're, right like, you're like God. Oh, this kid's gonna be. He's gonna do something really well. I, would be, I was very careful not to wear my Tommy jersey and or talk about it though, because they were you know they were already at that point they were starting to drive towards what what looked like was going to be the Super Bowl. Um, and I did uh, Mysteries of Laura with uh, that's your Awesome. Uh huh. I did that with Deborah Messing. That that's, was a lot of fun. That's weird, but did they write it out here? Uh, you know, they write almost everything out here. Okay, because Beth Armageddon is a writer on that. They write almost and, everything okay. out here, and they cast almost everything out here. I and mean, then they cast it, but the executives have to okay it now. Um, that's, that's one of the big differences in the business now, by, by the way, is that you go on tape, and 30 people have to okay you. Whereas, um, do you know, there's only one person left that I know of, I may be wrong, but there's only one person left that I know of who doesn't have a camera in the room, who makes the choice himself. And that's it. And it's Chuck, Chuck Laurie. That's it. Okay. Chuck Laurie. When I've read for mom, the couple of times I've read for mom, because I did, um, two and a half men when I, when I read for mom he is the only guy in the room with the casting person and maybe one writer. When you did Two and a Half Men, was it uh, Charlie or John? Charlie. Oh, Charlie. Okay, so what was that like? That was fantastic. I played a very effeminate gay man. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, you know, you could tell Charlie was a little, uh, he was a little troubled, you know, but it's it's more... As opposed to everything that we see and 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 the media and everything like that, it's you know he's a human being and it's it's
0: I I always just it's hearing, he's, he's
1: he's trouble, but he's a great guy. Fun, so much fun, and if you so like baseball, funny and forget so it. oh yeah, I it. so much fun, so funny, so nice, so kind. I mean, really, really a good guy, and John too, and John too, great. Now, now, Masters of Sex, which is a great show, you were in that. Yeah, I was in it, but that was very brief. I think my character was just introduced. I'm hoping that they're gonna that they're gonna bring it back. I just did a little thing with Michael Michael Sheen. That was really very cool, though. He's a he's a terrific actor. That guy.
0: Now, where do you travel? I mean, I know you you go to you went to New York. Now,
1: now are you do you still do theater at all? Yeah, I'll I'll do do plays now and again. You know, um, when I had kids, I decided I wasn't going to do it anymore because you know it doesn't really pay. And um, you know, Peter O'Toole said the. The the theater has been subsidized by the actors and it will be ever thus, you know, and I think that's true. But you know what changed it? Um, I went to the Odyssey when I had, when the boys were little and I saw Alfred Molina in the Cherry Orchard. And after I saw Alfred Molina in the Cherry Orchard in a room that held about 45 people. I decided, wow, you know what? I, I'm never going to turn my nose up again. And it's such a great place to exercise. You know, things where normally maybe in television or in the movies or whatever that people wouldn't allow me to do. You know, which is, there's really great to play different characters, to play the killer, to play the scary guy, to play the whatever it is. So yeah, yeah, I do. I work for Daniel Henning every year. I do the Young Playwrights Festival. Larry's involved in the Blank Theater Company also. Now, when you went to New
0: York, so you sublet an apartment, yep. were you just, I mean, what was that like? Just How long were you there for?
1: Uh, I was there from, uh, well, let's see, I went in July and did person of interest and hit up my agents, and they said I should come back in the fall. So I went at the end of August and came back in December. And so oh, you are there for a while. I was there for a while. So how does that, well, your kids are older now. My so kids probably- are older. They're 18 and 15, so they're not, you know, it's not like my wife's running around with little, little kids. They're probably like, yeah, dad's not around. However, though, my wife did step up to the plate and did something almost impossible without me, which was absolutely great, which was all the college apps. I mean, that was tough to do. I, you know, I remember,
0: like, I went to a state school in New Jersey. My
1: app was pretty easy. But where? I,
0: uh, it's called Richard Stockton.
1: Because oh, Liam Liam got into Rutgers. We're, okay. I, we're actually looking at Rutgers Rutgers
0: hard. is, uh, was about an hour from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, very cool college town. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, there's uh, there's that one food truck that's a legendary, it's been on um, Man Versus Food, and there's a bar it was it used to be a punk bar it was called the melody and everyone who's my age knows the melody Rutgers is a great school yeah and new jersey's nice i mean you know people talk a lot of crap about new jersey
1: i i lived in new york
0: i know you're an hour from the beach you're near skiing you know
1: everything but i forget my train of thought uh, we're talking about uh, Kim. Kim did the college apps okay. when I when I went to New York.
0: Well, see, my friend when he did it, I mean, that's my when went to an Ivy League School. He went to Brown. Man, those things. And now it's like my my uh, girlfriend's niece just went is at Monmouth in New Jersey. Nonsense. And it's like holy crap. I mean, I think mine. We wrote an essay, and now it's like this and this and this. Yep. It's crazy. Yep, it's submitting everything you can think of.
1: We have a few minutes left. Sure. Um, Cam, what is Cam Girls? Oh, Girls is, uh, is going to be a web series uh, done by my friend David Slack, who is one of the executive producers of Person of Interest. As a matter of fact, um, if there's actors listening to this, you should always do this. Um, so how I got Person of Interest was because a casting person called me up and said, would you do us a favor? Would you come and work on this um, web series for deferred pay? And... Um, you know, it's just a couple of days, you'd be really good in it, would you do it? And I said, sure. And uh, actually, it was my wife who said, come on, you're sitting around the house, because you know my favorite joke about being an actor. Uh, why didn't the actor look out the window in the morning? So he'd have something to do in the afternoon. Okay. So I wasn't doing anything those those few days, and she said, uh, you go, go do it. So I went and I did it. And while I was there, David Slack, who was, was the um, executive producer, came up and said, listen, you know, I we'd... If you'd ever be interested in coming to New York and working as a local hire, I could see what I could do about, you know, getting you an appointment or something for a person of interest. And it didn't happen that year, but it happened the following year. Um, so you know, it, it turned out in the long run. I worked those few days not for nothing. First of all, I made friends with uh, him and his wife, Katie. They're lovely people. Uh, but also, I got a job out of it in the long run. You know, it's because I did somebody a favor. And, and those casting people call me in all the time. That so
0: and it's being proactive. And yeah, it's being it's proactive. So now, now it uh, can be fine. Is that out or, or that's not out yet?
1: Um, it's going to be out shortly. There's, uh, it is, it isn't out yet. Um, but they're just going to have a, uh, they're just going to be having like a premiere party for it. I just had lunch with him two weeks ago, so very shortly and and then it'll be out. It'll be out online somewhere. It's it's actually funny. It's about um, basically about girls that are uh, on the internet. Uh, you know, uh, sort of, but not having sex. It's actually a comedy. Okay, it's funny.
0: That's good. Though. We need much stuff like that because yeah, we need I mean, there's so much stuff on YouTube and stuff like that, but a lot of it's crap. But yeah. you need some a good quality production. Okay. Uh, now, are you on Twitter? Oh sure. Okay. Now what, what's your name at Twitter? <laughs> or, is it your name? Yeah, I think it probably is. I don't know. <laughs> Do you tweet? (laughs) Yeah, I tweet. You you don't pay attention. I just just don't pay attention. I just go on, yeah. Well I'm guessing I'm guessing cuz I guess there's it's not It's at at D Stars I think is what it is. At D Stars okay. And now if you want to check out his people go to IMDb it's David Starsick it's S, it's like the word star but it's Z Y K Polish Starsick mm-hmm. and uh and so you you tweet a lot and
1: people follow you Yep. and uh any other websites or anything or Well and Facebook and I've got a I've got a fan page on Facebook that you can join up to that uh, join up if you want to that I sort of keep everybody posted on you know what's going on there. And um I've got a Tumblr account somewhere. I don't. Put it. I don't even know. I have one. I don't even know. I'd say I have this. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. I don't. Even know what it is. And my know. kids are like Instagramming all the time. I'm like, eh, I don't it's, want to it. Instagram's answer. good. I get on it. I do a lot of pictures of food and stuff like that, though. But anyway, I want to thank you for coming on, David. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. man. Yeah, it, was it was fun. Was it was Great, it was great. Absolute and, uh, pleasure.
0: So, people, check him out. Also, follow me on Twitter at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I'm always. I'm posting a lot of jokes. I don't post much, about my show, Facebook. It's just Steve Cooper. I have a fan page. I do nothing with it. I. It's too much of a pain. Um, My website, coopertalk.net. I have over 350 episodes up there. Uh, I always post. I'm I'm, I'm interviewing more people now, so you can hear it. And you can also hear me on iTunes or Stitcher. Type in one word, coopertalk, on iTunes or Stitcher. Send me an email, cooper, at coopertalk.net. I will respond to you. We'll talk. And also, go to my new website, stopthesalt.com. Stopthesalt.com. As you know, I had my health problems a few years ago, and I changed my diet completely. And so, stopthesalt.com. It's all... Basic recipes, good for you, low sodium recipes. They're easy to make. There's a key up front on how much ingredients you should use. It basically says there's no pictures because everyone gets intimidated. Eat healthy people, because it's very important. You know, I've changed my life completely. You know, when I walked out of the hospital, I stopped smoking cigarettes. I gave up caffeine. That was almost three years ago. Get the cookbook, StopTheSalt.com. It's ten dollars uh, with three ninety-nine shipping. I will autograph it for you. Or if you want to go to Amazon, it's uh 9 99 on Amazon, and I just found out 9 on Barnes & Noble. I don't. I, I, I make more money if you go through me, so come through me. And so that's about it. Uh, I want to thank uh, All Radio X for playing my shows, uh, RantRadioNetwork.com, and WSDI.com, who all play Cooper Talk. And so, so, so keep listening. Check out David Stars, D Stars, at Twitter. Uh, he thinks. Uh, just look type his name in and, and follow me at Cooper Talk. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vitamins, take your vegetables, have a great weekend.